Is this thing is this thing on? Check one, two. <laughs> I think we're okay. good. It just tell me you're recording. Uh, yeah. So uh, Kyle and I had like two minutes before this started rolling. So what I was telling him that we decided we'd probably use as a jumping off point um, is that today I'm filming for a new product, and uh, I'm involving someone that I've yet to meet, um, and this is my first time involving someone in anything really. So like a lot of uh, people that leave the clinic, like I'm a solopreneur at this point, solo practitioner, and uh, you can relate to that, right? For the most yeah. part. Oh yeah. And it's just, you know, you start to involve someone else in the, in the process and you, you're taking a different approach and it brings up all sorts of crazy shit, um, all sorts of deep seated anxieties. And like what I was about to tell Kyle right before we started recording here was that for the first time in as long as I can remember, I started having this weird left buttock, almost sciatica like pain. Like I literally can't remember the last time I felt something like this. Right. I have not been training, doing anything crazy out of the usual. Um, sleep was good. Recovery is good. And like out of nowhere this morning, this just pops up. Right. And one of the things that came to my mind was a memory from a couple of months back. And this was, uh, I was, the uh, reverend to marry two of my close friends. And so there's a lot of stuff that comes up when you're in that situation. It's your first time doing it because you want to do a great job. And it's like very similar to today where I want to do a great job with this. Right. Mm. And so for me, a lot of my anxiety goes right into my body. And so the worse or more fundamental or deeper that thing is the quicker it bypasses the mind and, and the more it goes into the body. So like today, I know I'm anxious, right? But I'm starting to feel some stuff in the body. When I married my friends, because it was their wedding, and it's so consequential, I've never done this before. It felt like if I didn't do a good job, my life was going to be over, right? And everything was hinging on this. So I when my friend asked me, he goes, you anxious at all? I said, No, not at all. Now what I neglected to tell him at that time, I can say it now. And if he hears the podcast, he won't be mad. Um, what I neglected to tell him at the time, he was going to Italy, so I didn't want to tell him this, but I was up all night the night before, like terrible, save the details of it, GI related issues, um, <laughs> among other things. Right. And, you know, you, you go think food poisoning, you think maybe I got a bug, whatever. You have all these stories you tell yourself about it. But I think for me, the proof was in the pudding. I do the um, service goes great. They get married. Everyone's like, Oh, great job, man. We get done. And immediately I'm able to start drinking and eating, you know, per usual, like mm -hmm. just in, in wedding style going right, all, of course. all the GI issues go away immediately after I feel totally great. Wake up the next day feeling great. Right. So who knows, right? We can't say for sure that that's all just unconscious anxiety but the temporal association of me feeling terrible in anticipating this event and then going through the event having it go great and then feeling amazing right away would seem to suggest that there's some sort of a correlation there right and so these are the moments where you start to realize that we think of the mind and the body as being these two distinct entities that have some sort of a boundary in the middle but you get these kind of moments of clarity where you see wait, there's actually no boundary there. And it's sort of like this, this kind of continuum where the things you're feeling from a physical perspective 
can come over and influence your mind, right? You don't get a good night's sleep. You're not eating right. You're not drinking enough water. Then all of a sudden you can't regulate your emotions as well, right? Or on the flip side, like today and like the day I married my friends, it's we got some core vulnerabilities being triggered here. And then it's too much to feel mentally, to feel those feelings and process. And so it just goes straight to the body. And next thing you know, it's like GI issues, old sciatica feelings. And, you know, if you're not careful and tuned into that, I might go today and say, oh my God, what's wrong with my back? Right. And so a lot of the people that I meet are dealing with a combination of things that they can work on to improve with their body and then influences on the mind side. And I think getting people to understand that it's not one or the other, that both views are helpful and they leave gaps that the other can fill. That's sort of like my main, uh, my main aim right now. So if you're too much on one side and you get dogmatic about it, then you're going to miss something. And if right. you're too dogmatic on the other side, you're going to miss something as well. So finding that middle path between those two and saying, okay, not everything in the body is a body problem, but not everything in the body is a mind problem either. Mm -hmm. And not everything in the mind is a mind problem. It could be a symptom of just poor lifestyle and recovery in your habits. Right. But it also might be a mind thing. Right. Right. So when you combine the two approaches, you get the best of both worlds. But the one thing that you can't hope for and that you have to give up is the fantasy of resolving that conflict. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have to have a, a definitive, it's this or it's that, you're going to be perpetually struggling and creating a state of suffering for yourself. But if you can find that middle way and say, okay, I never have to know. And I can never know and still feel awesome in the end by getting the best of both worlds, then your, your probability of success goes up. Right. So anyways, it's a lot of mouth vomit, but that's, no, that's man. my brain's at these days since, totally. since I last well, and, and I've seen that because like the last time we were on the podcast, you know, we had great conversation, but like I, I've seen you sort of, I guess it, it's been a little bit over a year since you're last on. Um, but like, it, it's been interesting to see you like evolve that model and put that, put this into words. Like you made a post recently about like the chronic pain and like how to get over it. And just like a lot of your posts in general, like I love them, man. Like there's such a great reminder of that it is like there isn't a separation of this stuff and that it is a mind and a body there i go i'm separating it that it's it's yeah, just yeah, a yeah. full cohesive thing that we have to influence you have to go after the tissue you have to go after stress you have to go after confidence and all like this weird murky gray and it's tough to piece this out like our our natural reaction is to atomize everything right it's like oh here's a car well here's the transmission here's the engine here's the oil pan blah blah blah, blah. like let me take all these things apart and then i'll put it all back together and then oh it's fixed right whereas yeah. when we're dealing with these organic structures it's just it, that that atomizing things only go so far you know if i take out a kidney well, I only got one. If I take out the heart, well, the whole thing shuts down. Like, is it, you know, like, right, right, right. It, it gets weird, but it, it's definitely hard to logically look at these things. Though I, you know, you're talking about this makes me think about the direction of the field and where this could go. And so yeah. 
on I'm either gonna... on either direction. In which direction do you see the field going? I think both. I think it's divergent and you see a lot of doubling down in one direction or the other, mm -hmm. right? So to be specific, you have a certain contingent that's saying it's all the mind, right? right? Everything in your body is the mind. Yeah. Exercise because it's good for you, but this is all mind based, right? Yeah. Like, right. So not to throw the mind body community under the bus, but to throw the mind body community under the bus, um, to me, they call themselves mind body, but where's the body in it? Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it seems to be all mind. Right. And then the exercise piece is an afterthought. Right. Right. Then if you go on the sort of biomechanics side of it, and there's many, many variations of that as there is with the mind body thing as well, but you'll find a similar dogmatic sort of doubling down on like, this is the only lens that matters, you know? And the thing that rubs me the wrong way with either of those is if you go to that and you say, this is going to be the thing that makes the difference that I want, you're basically putting so much pressure on that approach mm -hmm. to be the thing. Right. And so sometimes when you put that much pressure on one aspect of the approach, then the entire thing falls apart. Right. right? So it's like I, the, the, in the business realm, people that, that are involved in business will know Alex Ormosi, and he talks about money as being something that solves money problems, but, but it ends there, right? Mm -hmm. Money solves money problems, but it doesn't solve problems that aren't due to money. And so I look at movement in a similar way or, uh, you know, mental training, spirituality, there is a point at which it no longer is going to help, right? You got out of that what was useful and that's fine. It doesn't have to be the be all end all, right? And in right. fact, it's better if it isn't because then you can treat it with curiosity and like it's play, like, okay, let me see. And, and furthermore, I think you can then separate signal from noise, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody comes to me and I look at them holistically and I'm like, oh my God, this person's so in their head that if we go into bi uh, biomechanics right now, uh, and by the way, when I say this person's so in their head, it's, it's more like looking at me in the past slash what I'm trying to protect against because I know it's my tendency. So I'm calling you out. Yes. If that's you, because it's me, like that's who my clients are because we attract ourselves you know, and, and anyways, we, we've all so. been there. We've all been there. We all. Yeah. And, and it's dark, man. It gets so dark. And at that point, you're looking at the thing that you're engaged with, regardless of what it is, as being a survival level importance. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I don't figure ex exactly out what's going on from a biomechanical perspective, I can never heal and feel better. Like that's the story you're telling yourself when you're at that point, or you could do the same thing on the mind side of it. You could be like, well, if I never figure out what my core wounds are and work through those, and then I can regulate my nervous system then I'm never going to be able to, you know, live a life. And it's like, no, 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 <laughs> come on. That that's not a healthy place to start from. You're putting so much pressure on the process that you're going to have a hard time separating signal from noise, right? When, when somebody's, not in their heads and they're coming at it from a perspective of curiosity and play then next thing it's like okay yeah i tried this this and this 
helpful, helpful, not helpful, just like objective zoomed out. Let me get some data on this. Right. And all of a sudden they can say, okay, that was helpful up to this point. Great. I'm going to use that up to this point. Now, what else can I look at? And then it's balanced instead of like, oh yeah, I don't care how I sleep. I don't care how my mental health is. I don't care how my stress management is. I'm just going to focus on biomechanics and I'm going to put it all in that basket. Right. And it, and it can go both ways. So for me, it's like figuring out that middle path of mm -hmm. how can I use both? And like with this product I'm filming today, I'm trying to control for my own biases. I'm writing out some of the scripts for it and I want to go super detailed, right? To a point where the person who's overthinking it is not going to benefit from it if I go that detailed. Right. And the, the person who's going to benefit from that level of detail is probably someone who's helping people and they should know it, but they're not going to be teaching on that level of detail to the people who are coming to them. Right. <laughs> right. So it's, it's, it's sort of knowing your own bias and controlling for it. And I'm, and I, I think from a patient perspective as well, you have to know that, know that going in as well. So like I've worked with people who are so spiritually attuned that they can come in and they can almost do like a spiritual bypass where they're like, well, I'm just going to rest in this open awareness and, you know, feel this interconnection. But yet all these behaviors in my life and my lifestyle is totally out of whack. And like, it's like, no, you don't want to take that to the extreme either. Right. So, you know, it's, you, you can, you can mess it up both ways. And I think just knowing what your bias is and trying to control for it, both mm -hmm. in, you know, the help you seek even, but also your behaviors. Like, so if you're an overthinker and you're spending five hours a day on social media, trying to research the root cause, like that ain't going to work. Right. No, not at uh, all. But, you know, you also can't ignore your body and, you know, not do the things that we all know are important to do. Like <laughs> Exactly. But I like to think of it as I'm a huge history buff. And like my whole YouTube channel, like that, my personal YouTube channel is just all like evolutionary theories and blah, blah, all this stuff. But like one of the big things I've been going down the rabbit hole on is like Roman uh, military tactics. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so, but it's like made me think of this and like try to create analogies for clients and patients and be like, listen, you can't just have an infantry and win a war, right? You need an infantry, you need artillery, you need tanks, you need aircraft, you need all these different things, which then help you take advantage of opportunities, right? You could be but I know we're not talking about Roman or Rome anymore, but like you could be Great Britain and have a fantastic Navy, but that may only get you so far. Yeah. Right. You're going to at some point need to try and take advantage of like an infantry or some sort of like amphibious sort of uh, uh, something to like take advantage of like this opportunity that may present itself. And if you're not prepared for that, you're never going to be able to take advantage of that opportunity. So you know, you have the mental health side of things, mind, mindset shifts, confidence, right? All those things are, that's, that's a tactic, right? And then you have the biomechanics and you have, uh, you know, load management and just exercise in general, zone two, like these are all different weapons and different things to help you take advantage of. But at the same time, like your military always needs to be trying to advance forward. Some might advance faster than the other because they take advantage of opportunities, but 
the whole you like all of you should be winning at the end of the day and moving forward to this is a very aggressive and masculine way to look at it but but that said it's just kind of like that's how i've been like thinking about this a lot of times and try to like help people piece this out like what should i do what is the best way and it's like i don't really know what the like like for this environment and for this you know situation maybe you need the mindset shift and that's all you really need to take advantage of it but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do your exercises and your strength right and all of this other thing yeah. like you need those other footholds because if anything they're going to help to help you take advantage of that opportunity that much more down the road yeah and i think one of the things that you know it uh to say it irks me is an understatement um even though i try to be very understanding because i've been there um is when somebody has that one aspect of what they're looking at and they're so concerned with that being the thing like so it's like what is the goal at the end of the day you know in in your analogy is it to win the war right or win the battle right right yeah i think so right i love this masculine energy here um (laughs) (laughs) we could talk about that in in a second but um you know like you're you're trying to win that battle or win that war right and so you need not be concerned with the exact how until it comes to a point where you have to figure that out right so like if i go in with the mindset of my weapon of choice is biomechanics and then i you know decide you know i'm going to commit to some coaching with kyle because he seems to really know his shit about biomechanics then i start talking to you and you're like yeah greg you know we could definitely, you know, bias you towards a little bit more hip IR on that right side for sure. But like, how many drinks are you having a night, dude? Like, how much <laughs> are you, how much are you sleeping? Right. Um, how many steps do you get? You know, how's the mental health? How's the relationship with the girlfriend? Right. Like all these things actually, you know, are all e- of equal importance when the opportunity to affect your health through that, let's say that entry point, you know, comes in. And so like, if I start telling you about all my stuff and then there's like one thing that really starts to poke out at you, you being an objective observer to me coming to you are going to be able to say, Greg, man, I hear what you're saying about the, you know, hip IR. I get that. We'll work on that for sure. But Mm -hmm. like, can you get more than five hours of sleep a night? Can you have a little less than six drinks? I'm not having six drinks a night, but you know, it's like one thing could really stick out. And I might be so invested in how I'm going to solve the problem that I actually stop myself from solving it because I need it to be solved on my terms. Mm -hmm. Right. And for me, like, I feel like anytime I've avoided something that was beneficial to me, it was essentially an unconscious way to keep me in that state of struggle. Right. And a lot of times that keeping yourself in a state of struggle is coming from a place of, well, I think that I can't tolerate feeling what I would have to feel and what would come up if I just actually took these other actions that would move me to my next place, my next destination, which is going to be out of my comfort zone, right? Mm Going to have to feel some uncomfortable shit. And so the uncomfortable feeling that you know is often better or you think it's better, but it, it never is better, right? You think it's better. Right. And the uncomfortable feeling that you would have to feel to make that transition, right? 
like it, it's funny how we self-sabotage but you know i mean i can go into it in a second here but it's like i find myself you know i, I did it with pain for a longest time and then i just decided you know what okay, I need to take a different approach. And that, that led me to, to a lot of what we're talking about now, but I still do this stuff when it comes to my business or other things. Totally. Right. And it's like a continual process of recognizing that and then being open to what do I need to use here? Right. Like do, is it the Navy or is it an infantry? <laughs> right. Yeah. Or is it some, or is it something else? Is it writing up a freaking peace contract, you yeah. know, like a radically polar opposite approach, you know, and I think it's it's interesting that you you bring up this analogy to me because I see like most of my clients are guys, you mm -hmm. know, and I see this style of um, addressing pain and addressing the body from the masculine energy, which is often like uh, the problems out there somewhere. I'm going to identify it and then destroy it. And that's how I'm going to win. Right. Very kind of infantry oriented. Yeah. yeah. Right? There's the there's the threat. I'm gonna destroy it. It's Versus, logical, it's objective based. Yeah. And it's analytical, it's objective, it's the problems out there. I'm gonna find it, search, destroy, and then I'll be the victor. Right. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes there's an there's an opposite energy on the feminine side that's like, oh my God, what I'm experiencing something. There must be something fundamentally wrong with me i'm gonna make myself really small sh shrink away mm -hmm. take care of myself put everyone else's needs first right and like neither one of those energies taken to the extreme is helpful right so when you're approaching this we can call it a problem i'll do air quotes on the problem um whether it's pain or not moving as well as you want we'll say situation situation <laughs> is a good way to put it um you need to know what energy you're coming to the table with Right. And you need to, to really think of like, is there some sort of balancing out of these energies that I need? Right. Cause like infantry Navy, right. These are all branches of the same way of taking a threat out there, identifying it and then destroying it to be mm -hmm. victorious. Right. That's different than writing up a peace treatise. Right. Right. And it's not like one of those is always going to be the right call. Right. Situation specific, but you want to be able to do both, right? Do, can you have a really strong, you know, army and, and at the same time have people who are really great in foreign affairs mm -hmm. so that when the opportunity presents itself, you can do what is needed in that situation. At the end of the day, you're, you're just trying to be victorious. Right. And it it, well, and I think, I think with that analogy, it even kind of, you know, bottlenecks us because it's, it is looking at it through like, what's, what is victory at the end, right? Like, okay, you are victorious. You do get that hip internal rotation. You do get the confidence, but did it make it better, right? Do you feel okay with it? Like, what are you going to do after the war? Like, And a lot of people feel like they have to constantly fight a war. I mean, that's imperialism. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, the question is what's on the other side of the war? Exactly. Like, are you able to accept and feel... Like I deserve this and like, I can enjoy my life or do I have a life? <laughs> like, well, no, know? exactly. And I think, you know, I'm reading this great book and um, I'm talking about a lot in this new group that I'm doing. Um, that's, that's more on the mind body side. So more on the mind side, right. More on the spirituality yeah. side. And the book is called already free. The author's name is Bruce Tift. 
And uh, he talks about a lot of times when we stabilize this sense of struggle, you know, this war that we're going at um, towards ourselves, really, and our experience. The thing that's on the other side of that, the reason that we're perpetuating it is because we don't want to feel that level of existential, what he calls annihilatory panic, right? Mm. So when you ask yourself the question of what does it feel like right now if there's no problem to solve, what is there? It's like, well, you might be left with your core vulnerabilities about, oh my God, I don't deserve love and I'm going to be abandoned and the world's not a safe place and mm. you know all this sort of really intense experiential stuff that you might not have the, you know, the chops to really be with. Right. And so in a weird way, um, continuing to be concerned with, you know, oh, I don't have enough hip IR, right? I don't have a hip, enough hip IR. Well, it's like it, if that's the thing that you're clinging on to, when you do get the hip IR, right, then you're going to either face that stuff or you're going to find a new problem to focus on. Right. So it's, it's, um, it's funny how we stabilize this struggle because like I used to think my hip IR was like the thing that was going to be the difference to me feeling good or not. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what my right hip IR is right now. It's actually not bad. I just did it, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> bad example, but yeah. there was a time, you know, in the last couple of months where I was training hard and that thing was resting at like 15 degrees, you know, IR. Um, and like, it was totally fine. Like my, my pain levels, on those most of those days compared to what it is today with the anxiety that I'm experiencing with this going into this new endeavor um, was much, much less on those other days than today. Mm. Right. So the thing about the brain being so predictive and wanting to create a reality, that's, that's just how the brain works, is that if I attribute a meaning to a lack of hip IR being that I should be in pain, right? Or I can't feel good or I can't lift or whatever. And I'm looking at that, then my brain will find a way for me not to feel good with that. Yeah. Right. But on the flip side, if I serendipitously feel good and then test my hip IR and realize it's only 15 degrees and then go, ah, I'm open to knowing that my hip IR doesn't determine my happiness and my feeling in my body. Right. Then that's counter evidence. So it, it all depends on like, how open are you to, to receive the information that's in front of you? Like, right. are you trying, are you going in with a preconceived notion of what you're going to get out of it and what the meaning of it is, or are you actually approaching the situation as we're calling it like a scientist and just trying to get information to determine like, is this signal or is it noise? Is the amount of effort that I'm putting in on any one side of this even worth it? Or where does the, the return on investment end? Exactly. Are you familiar with Adam Lane Smith? No. Who is that? So he's a psychologist or he does like a lot of marriage counseling relationships. And his big thing is attachment. Yeah. And you probably heard some of this stuff without realizing it, but like has amazing, amazing. Uh, I forgot the, what is the name of the book? I'm reading it right now. Uh, but basically it goes through all of like, the different types of attachment styles, avoidant, blah, blah, blah all this yeah. stuff. You, you've kind of like read stuff about it, but he's like, here's what it is. And okay. I, I've yeah, really yeah. been thinking like all the things you're saying is like forms of attachment. Like these are sub genres of probably a bigger attachment style that people can have. And so it's like, well, 
I don't feel like I can be loved. I don't feel like I can trust people. I don't feel I have all these things going on. So rather than me dealing with those issues, let me focus instead on, you know, the pain and the things that I can control, hip interrotation and kind of living this purgatory or favorite yes. words, yeah, uh, yeah, but sure. living this, you know, <laughs> purgatory of like chasing after this thing. Like, let me just chase the dryer. Let me get that heroin hit every single, you know, yeah. time I can chase this thing. And it's, but I really think that what you're talking about, it like, and, and as I've been reading your stuff and listening to Adam Lane Smith, he says he uses his middle name because if you just say Adam Smith, it's like a very yeah, yeah, exactly. generic <laughs> name there. But that said, um, he like talks about this stuff and it's, it's super, super interesting how people will take these attachment styles and I've seen them pop up literally all the time with these chronic pain people that oh, are dealing with. It's, yeah, it's insane. The current research seems to suggest that um, the biggest impact on chronic pain is emotional regulation by far. Right. And when we're talking about attachment styles, you know, we're talking about our ability or lack thereof to regulate our emotions in relationship to another person. Right. Yeah. And the thing I I'm familiar with, with what you're talking about quite a lot. Um, an, an easy way to think about it is this in a relationship, there are two energies, right? One is connection and one separateness. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you're um, familiar with the attachment, styles of avoidant and anxious, right? Anxious attachment is essentially what happens when your fear of rejection and abandonment takes you into this hyper uh, connected type situation where you're trying to cling as much as you can to this person. And you're trying to, to establish as much connection uh, to the point of codependent type behavior, right? So it's, it's, it's connection taking, taken to its neurotic extreme. Right. So on the, on the, the flip side, there's separateness and that's more of the avoidant attachment style and taken to its neurotic extreme. It looks like, you know, complete emotional unavailability essentially. Right. right. But at the root of all of it is like this fear of abandonment, fear of rejection. I'm not worthy of love. All, all these, all these really deep core vulnerabilities and, and limiting, you know, negative automatic beliefs. So in any relationship, you're going to have a dynamic of connection versus separateness, right? Mm. And so the thing that's kind of funny about this is this is not just intimate relationships, but that's where it comes up most prominently. This is really anything, right? Yeah. So my, my energy that I have a, a really tough time with is dependent energy, right? Mm. Uh, that connection-based energy. So I'm fine with like doing my own thing, being really independent, being really separate. And this is a very masculine energy to have right. like separate energy is very masculine. I'm fine with that. So I'm fine with being alone all day, being my solopreneur, working alone, doing all the things, you know, that's totally cool with me. When it starts to come to having to rely on someone else, right? That's where things will get hairy for me. They'll yep. bring, oh my God, if I rely on someone else, they're going to disappoint me. It's going to prove me correct that I'm not worthy of love and no one likes me. I'm going to be abandoned and end up alone and die. Right. Like that's, that's where it goes. And so it's like a, a protection from that is for me just to remain as my very independent, separate person. Right. 
Now, the problem with that is when you're trying to run a business and do that, that means you're going to start to work 60, 80 hours a week and you won't give away tasks that are like $5 an hour tasks that you shouldn't be doing anymore. Right. And thus you'll limit your ability to actually help people on the level that you want to. Right. Mm -hmm. and so that's what I'm bumping up against right now. And I'm having to involve other people in, in my process. And I'm meeting so much internal resistance right now because it's, it's this dependent thing that I'm super uncomfortable with and that I have to learn how to tolerate, right? It's not going away for me to actually have a fully realized adult life and succeed in this business. I'm going to have to be able to be dependent, right? I'm going to have yeah. to feel that very uncomfortable energy. So I could run from it and make my entire business about, well, I'm just going to try to automate every single process so that I have an AI doing everything and I never have to rely on another human being and it can just be all me, right? It's like the struggle for me to get everything to that place is going to be like 10 times harder than just getting someone to be an admin for me, like mm. getting someone to help me with some videos. Like, you know, like, so I could be so invested in not feeling that uncomfortable energy that I could not take the actions that are actually going to move things forward in the most optimal way possible. Right. Or I could just say, you know what? I'm okay to feel this thing I've been avoiding feeling. It's not going to be pleasant. I don't have any fantasy of not feeling this. And I know that throughout the rest of my life, it's probably going to get triggered over and over and over again. But that's where I got to work. You know, I got to, I got to lean into that. So right there, you're describing stable attachment style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and like, I think people get so caught up in anything, right? Including yeah. attachment theory that they'll go, I am, and then insert word, right? And so the second you make an I am statement, you can make an identity out of something. And so somebody could say, I am an avoidant attacher or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Well, now you've just, you've given yourself a name and, and it's basically just concepts in your mind that you've attached an identity to. And now you made yourself the avoidant attacher. Well, okay. Now, are you concerned with maintaining that identity or are you okay with killing that identity? Right? right. It's like, you might show behaviors that are consistent with this phenomenon that's described as avoidant attachment. But you don't need to become identified with this concept of I am an avoidant attachment person or whatever. So like for me, if you had to put me on that scale, where would I be in most cases? Yeah, I'd be on the avoidant side, pretty like square, like, yeah, yeah somewhere between secure and avoidant, right? You called me out with the the AI stuff. So I was like, shit, that's, yeah, man. that's literally me. So, <laughs> like, yeah, well, and, you know, I think to an extent that is going to be helpful, right? But the, the gap is going to be, you know, where you could have a person who does a way better job and it's a, you know, it's not that much of an investment and the experience on the customer side is way, way better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, it's like, get over your shit, man. You know? And I say that to you just to hear it coming back <laughs> to me, you know, oh, man. Like, but I'm I, feeling I will say finding good help is very difficult. It is I, difficult. It, it's one yeah. of those things, especially as solo, solo opportunity solo entrepreneurs um finding i mean i've been through four different video editors two interns like it, the only person i've found to be stable at this point is my graphic designer guy and Shout out to marcos yeah yeah exactly man like marcos the man he's he's the only yeah. guy that i can trust when it comes to this stuff so it's, yeah well he, but you, you know what 
let me interrupt you. So oh, yeah. you, if you were um, concerned with stabilizing your struggle of being in avoidant attacher or whatever, however you want to talk about it, mm -hmm. you could say, I went through four video editors and I went through two of this and, you know, everyone just confirmed to me that I can't trust or depend on anyone. So I have to just do it myself. Now I'm doubling down on this identity, right? Like, yeah. That's just perpetuating a struggle that doesn't need to be there. Instead, it's like I went out, had these painful experiences of going against what my like inclination is to then trust someone, even though that's hard for me to do. And mm -hmm. I, was, I actually experienced some pain as a result of doing that. It, it didn't work out. And I actually felt that and was okay with feeling that. And it doesn't have to deter me from taking these actions in the future right. and knowing that it can eventually work out. Like you probably learned more from that failure, let's 100%. say, yeah. failure, your quotes, failure. Um, then you would, if you had just said, you know what? I'm in my office and it's so hard to get help, but I've never done it. Right. Like, right. And honestly, like that's where I'm at. Right. So like when I just go through my, my own limiting beliefs, it's like, Oh, well, I can't, you know, it's going to be so hard to find someone, the amount of time it's going to take to train someone. And like, I think going to do it mm -hmm. as I do it, you know, and, and it's all these things, but it's like, all right, you know, you're never going to have to face that energy. And instead you're going to be a prisoner of your own limiting beliefs until Ooh. you do that. And what I found that was so interesting about it was, you know, like I was contacted by a few people after I posted about it. And, um, you know, like I know, pe I know people and, you know, if I know you, I know your tendencies mm -hmm. a little bit, like I know you from real life. And so, um, you know, there's someone who is, I was, um, going to have helped me and, and they're, they're a little unreliable. Let's, let's putting it nicely. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they, they didn't show up, you know, when they said they would. And, and, um, it proved to me that you can't ask for help. Right. But of course that was exactly what I wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. Come on, right. Because I'll tell you my anxiety level when I thought it was going to happen was higher. And when I received the message of actually, I can't make it and I can't make it again. Right. Last minute cancel, which would make a lot of people angry for me. It was like, what are really? we leaving? Now I don't have to feel the uncomfortable feeling of being in this new situation, jumping off the ledge of being comfortable doing everything myself. And now mm -hmm. in this abyss of, oh my God, is this going to work or is it not going to work? Right? right. Like for you now that you've done that multiple times, you can jump off that cliff again and be like, yeah, if I fall flat on my face and it doesn't work out again, that's okay. Cause I've, I've already experienced that. In exactly. The yeah, I'm sure you get all like the emails from like spam email. Like I literally go through my spam emails because I am open to having video editors. I'm very open to this idea. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. finding the right person. So it's like, hey, like this, please, people don't spam me any more than you have to. But like, if you're listening to this, but like, it's like, I'm open to this. <laughs> I read these emails. I am looking for this stuff actively yes. still. But I agree. Like, that's where it'd be like, oh, man, like confirming my bias and then from that point, that's, again, confirming my identity that I have to then do this all by myself all the time. You know, that's yeah. that. Right. And then, you know, one limiting thing leads to another limiting thing, right? So mm -hmm. if you do everything yourself, to an extent, your amount of money you make is going to be mostly, at first at least, linked to how much uh, time you can output. Time right? and effort. Yep. And it's all time and effort, right? 
And so, you know, that's a limiting belief in and of itself. Mm -hmm. right? And if, if like my North star is helping people feel and move better, that's my North star. If I let that limiting belief of time and money are coupled prevent me from doing things like developing awesome products that I can get out to more people or, um, you know, just a, just a number of other ways to have a bigger impact. So, so like having more time to not work so I can flesh out my ideas more yeah. so I can actually figure out what's working, what's not working. So I can come up with new frameworks, like all those things that are not direct, like doing sessions, doing sales calls, those like things that seem to be, okay, I know I'm making money on, on this time. Right. Right. All those other things actually can have an enormous impact, but you need the space to do those. Right. Mm -hmm. And the space to make those happen. It's like, there'll be times where I'm going to fulfill on some work for some clients. And I'm just like, man, you know, I, like, I would really just like to take some time right now and like flesh out this framework that I'm working on a little bit more, because I think if I had this a little bit more organized in my brain, there'd be at least a subset of my clients that would benefit tremendously from that. But instead I'm caught in the weeds of doing that like yeah. day to day work. Right. And it's like, what at, if at the core of it, if you drill down far enough, what is it that's stopping me from actually taking that next step? Right. It's fear and it's fear of feeling those emotions that I've constructed an entire life around not feeling. Now mm -hmm. I, I want to say something here about this though, because I'm harping on this point over and over and over again. Like we got to feel the shit that we don't want to feel great. Okay. Sometimes if we're being triggered into feeling the thing that we're not ready to feel and it's happening continually. And if it's happening continually and not being recognized, that can also be a tremendous source of dysregulation within your system. And I want to give an example here um, because I, I, I want to help people who might be in this situation. I see this a ton. Um, so I was working a job in a clinic. Okay. And I had to always be worried about the input of my boss. So they were quite critical, right? They would kind of let me do my own thing enough, but I was always on guard to whether there was going to be a criticism about what I decided to do, my approach, whatever. Right. Or if I was billing three versus four insurance units anyways. Um, like by and large from the outside looking in, it, w it wasn't a bad gig, but my relationship to the gig was that it was constantly bringing up these feelings of self-pressure. Am I good enough? The criticism, um, feeling like I had somebody who was in an authoritarian kind of role over me mm -hmm. um, that I had to worry about and be on guard for. And that was like this constant state of nervous system dysregulation that was going on. And so I was in between patients, like, you know, trying to do restorative type movements to feel better, which were helpful at that time. Like they got me out of my head and a little bit back into my body, but it was like having a water faucet on leaking onto the floor and then just like continually mopping the floor. Mm -hmm. So just going on, turning off the faucet and like, you know, I didn't know that this was going to be the case, but when I left the clinic, uh, the last day and was starting my own thing. So didn't even know what I was going to do. Right. Like wasn't like financially stable or anything like that. I had a couple of clients and was like, okay, let's see what happens. Um, but I know it's not this anymore. Mm -hmm. I remember getting out of my, uh, car and walking into, uh, Wegmans grocery store and just feeling like, oh my God, my body is so light. And 
the the it's just so regulated right now what the actual f like this is crazy and i think for me like that being dependent on someone else being under someone and having them have authority over me the self-criticism the self-pressure all that sort of stuff when that got removed from changing the circumstance i had then space to then actually feel those things that i didn't want to feel but Mm. prior to that I don't know if that was the best environment to start to unpack that stuff. Right. So on the one hand, there are people out there who are doing an I'll be ready when thing, which is total BS. You're that's just a lie you're telling yourself. Sorry. Right. <laughs> but then there's another subset of people who have a situation in your life's often relational or life meaning, mm-hmm. you know, fulfillment purpose that's going on. That's not being addressed. And they know that if like you asked them and they just answered honestly, they'd say it's this thing, right? But they won't address that, right? And instead it's like, I'm going to focus on just mopping up the floor instead of turning off the faucet. So you have to, you have to be able to look at it from both ways and say, is there something here that is obvious and will benefit from being addressed? And then on the other side of it, not needing perfect conditions to just get started and do you know, uncomfortable, messy, imperfect kind of work. Right. I'm curious. So I have a thought trying to think of, I'm curious what your thing, your feedback's going to be, but when it comes to, so like you have your special tests, you have your surveys, you have all these different types of testing that you can do from both psychological, Mm. physical, um, I would say probably most of the physical therapy testing that can be done is pretty freaking ancient, at least from like an insurance standpoint. Yeah. Uh, oh, especially. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad, you know, or it is very focused to low level activities of daily living. Like, can you stand up from a chair and walk at <laughs> distance and turn around and come back? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, great from an insurance standpoint in a hospital, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I practice similar things in range of motion testing and how that can affect other things. But even that has limitations um, as a tester. But I think to kind of circle back to what you were saying earlier, like, are we going to go divergent? Like, are we going to go more after the psychological components of pain and all these things? Like, where's the industry going? Are we going after more biomechanics? I think it's both. Yeah. But we as a industry need better testing at the end of the day in streamlines testing or um, it's not streamlined but like testing that's consistent across all populations that we can all do and that it's like here is gold standards huh. and we don't have that so like you know yeah. an example of that would be how many reps can you do of an etcher of a bench press before you can actually get labral you know, uh, start uh, tears or something like that. Like how much can this actually tolerate? And then how can we test that across different shapes of people? <laughs> like, you yeah. know, there there's, I think the having AI start to enter into modern society is going to take us in that direction. Um, and it's going to make research and a lot of things a lot more, hopefully we'll be able to start to like put this stuff together. Um, because right now it, it's it's so like even as you're talking about it, it's like man it's just so everywhere it's just like you don't know what you're gonna expect but for us to really like 
I don't, is this making sense? Is it making sense? Or am I just like kind of blabbering right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just, I can just think of like a million ways to go with it, but here's, here's what I think. So I love the idea of AI coming in and helping us to, to take these large data sets and get down to the crux of where we could spend our energy right. uh, most wisely. Um, like, you can't well. you can't argue with large data sets again at the end of the day like you, if the research is there it's like all right well this is it this is how many reps it takes for this age group populate like you know all these different subsets and then you yeah know, well, i think one of the the slippery slopes there though is like the whole um sort of okay we have this normal distribution curve and in the middle is where you know we're going to take our conclusions from right mm -hmm. and then at the level of the individual, are we one standard deviation from the mean? Are we two standard deviations from the mean? Because even if you're just a standard deviation and a half away from the mean, now all of a sudden you might be looking at something radically different, right? right? And so I, I'm actually pretty hopeful that AI can help us to even control for at that level, if we could have models that were specific enough. But I think one of the inherent risks in, in AI is the way the, the data sets themselves and then the actual machines, the way they learn and the parameters that we uh, right. prioritize in their learning and if they self-correct over time, right? Mm. So it's like, you know, right now, if I were to build an AI, right? It's like, just listen to the this last fucking hour, you know? It's like, um, is Greg thinking about mindset shit a lot these days? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right. but if you listen to, you know, a YouTube video that I posted like two and a half years ago or whatever, it's like, there was like no even slight hint of that in there. And it was basically all biomechanical or postural or breathing. Right. And, um, I think when you, when you talk about the machines themselves and who's building them, it's like, okay, do, do these machines have an inherent bias to them? You know, I mean, we're seeing that with these various, you know, um, open source AI things, you ask them certain questions, and you can see clear political leanings one way or another, True. right? Or um, I'll answer that question this way, but I won't answer that question this way. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just have to be cognizant of that sort of stuff. And it, it, like, on the one hand, trying to find more concrete and, and good answers and trying to make meaning awesome, right? But then realizing like, that's all helping us on the relative level on the absolute level it's more like okay um how are we relating to what's going on right so we can try to change the contents of what we're dealing with awesome or we can just accept that that's like reality right and how we interface with that reality whether we accept it contract away from it like that has equally if not a greater impact on your overall experience mm -hmm. so it's like finding again it's like always coming back to this middle ground of well, what are, the, what are the, the benefits of having AI get us down to like, this is what to work on right now at this moment, right? Right. And versus just, okay, you actually don't have to wait to feel and have a be feel better and have a better experience. Mm -hmm. Like, like that's always accessible to any, any of us at any point. True. Right. So much of the suffering that we're dealing with is just, you know, behind the eyes and between the ears at the end of the day. Very true. And that's... You know, you know, that, that is a very good point. And I, I like that you brought that up. It's just, again, just to counter that point, this stuff's not going away at any point. And I, no, I would actually say that with, it, it's a modern society problem that we're dealing with with chronic pain. You know, people are still going to get injured. People are still going to have this. 
And I think just it as a, a whole, as the industry for things to move forward, I feel like we're kind of at a standstill in some ways. Like there's been, there's new research being done every day, which is fantastic, but it's like, how do we expedite that? Like how can right. we and, make? Yeah. What, what conclusions are drawn from that research and what's the underlying reason that that's the research we're choosing right. to do, right? Well, like, and that's where I think we're, we have an opportunity to enter almost like a renaissance with the way we do research, you know, like we're, we're even not even research, but like, what is like belief? What is logical? What is not like, how can, in the skewing of things, like we know that we can cherry pick research to support any freaking opinion that we want. That's right. right? But, yeah. but that said, it's like, so we need to do a better we need to provide better research or a better way of like including this or make it at least better for the layman um, and how they're doing. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a yeah. research side or if it's a marketing side and people just need to be better humans and not <laughs> cherry pick stuff to sell shit. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me about it. Well, you know, and I, so I think this brings up something that's important that is like, I think, there's a tremendous amount of ethics that goes into marketing. And um, one of the things that people who are, let's say, like more empathetic humans than maybe some others can deal with that ends up being like a coach's curse. I've heard it called. And it's like the better coach you are, the worse you can be at marketing sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know? And like for oh, me, for sure. it, it's super funny. I've, I've seen it happen in my own content, you know, where it's like, when I knew the exact answer because I was looking through one lens and I knew I was right, well, then you have a very like confident, like this is the one problem energy. And then everyone that's on that same energy, like resonates with it super easily. And then you can turn those people into paying customers very easily. Like mm-hmm. Some of the sales calls that I did early on when I was starting my business, when they were getting driven from some of my early YouTube videos that were extremely like biomechanically dogmatic. I mean, those were just like the easiest sales calls of all time. Yeah. You know, and so I can see where people get bought into like Goda. I'm just going to call out Goda. Goda sucks. Yeah. Um, but like the thing is, Goda will work for some people. Like, yeah. that, like, like, you know, I throw it under the bus because it's like obviously like an easy scapegoat to, um, anyways, <laughs> but it's like, but it still keeps they're saying, growing. They're saying it's one thing, right? And it's like, well, people are so, people love to hear the one thing answer because we want simple. Right. Mm-hmm. We want simple solutions to our problems. And a lot of us want to like believe that there's like a secret thing that hasn't been revealed. And like, oh my God, these guys are the ones that are revealing it. You know, insert PRI here. It's like everyone's that gets into that rabbit hole that goes on Neil Hallinan's channel and Connor's channel. You know, everyone's like, oh my God, I found it. And that's exactly how I was when I got into PRI, you know, but then it's it's no surprise that the downstream effect of that is that everyone that gets on sales calls with me is like I'm so in my head because I've been watching these binge watching these videos and right. like now I'm afraid to move and have all these preconceived notions about what things in my body mean and how they feel and I'm so like ingrained in that belief system that even though there's a part of me that knows that that's probably not the whole answer like right. I'm having a hard time training myself out of that to actually trust my body again right And it's psychological weaponized biomechanics. (laughs) Right. And the thing is that it's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to attribute 
any malintent to the people who are making that kind of content because I've been mm -hmm. in, in that position before. I still make some of the content. I mean, like it's so do I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah. do I. And and it's fine. And like the, the thing that I'm trying to get on with my business is like my next big shift that I'm trying to make um is really trying to meet people where they're at, but also be able to expose them to like I've seen from you recently, an ecosystem of options, right? So like, even like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that we probably both agree that a good destination for someone from a movement perspective is to be into a regular progressive resistance training routine, which can help everything else in your life kind of self-organize around it, at least on the physical side, right? And there's a tremendous psychological benefit to that too, right? So when I look at like, the thing that that I want people to eventually be able to take from an interaction with me, yeah, it's mindset and how to approach things and, and all that good stuff. But it's like behaviorally, I want you to do a regular resistance training routine, maybe some regular endurance training, be sleeping well and eating well, like, because those are the body things that will balance you. And then all the other stuff that we talk about on the mindset side will be so much easier to actually work on and, and deal with all that. If that other thing is in place, right. You have the wind so, at your back. Like yeah, that's... exactly. And, and it's like, you and I both know that that's kind of from a pragmatic standpoint, the goal right now, there's a whole reason that humans have trouble with doing things that are good for them. You know, a lot of reasons for that. And, and we've been talking about that for the last hour, but it's like, we both want people to get there right? Their entry point might be GOTA, might be PRI, might be some belief they have about they need to fix their sway back or they need to do this or that, mm -hmm. right? And so there's no problem with meeting that person where they're at, right? But what I don't want to do is just meet them where they're at, knowing that they can go further and get to a better place and just leave them there because it's the easiest thing to sell. 100%. That to me is not ethical, yeah. right? Well, I'm making that my sway back solution. And I'll tell you all right now, it's not just a bunch of breathing drills. Like I'm literally having people do strength training for sway back. And it's yeah. a seven day a week. And it is there to set you up to go into the next resistance training. Like you could do this at home. Fantastic. You might feel better. You might get your posture feeling better. Meet you where you're at. But I'm like, hey, go to the fucking gym. Go to the damn gym. Yeah, like, yeah. Do yeah. this next because you're going to be that much better. Um, and like you did this thing seven days a week for four weeks, you have a foothold, your infantry is on the land, you know, you're, you're, you yeah. can go move forward with this. And I think one of the, the things that I love about what you're doing there is like, you meet them where they're at, you're already starting to change their beliefs about what it means to work through the problem that they're perceiving is their, their main issue. And then along the way, the likely thing that's going to happen for a lot of those people is they're going to actually forget all about that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to become like, Oh my God, I, you know, there's all this experience in life that was accessible to me that I could have been engaging with, but I was fixated on this. And so yeah. it's like, if you just met them and said, Hey, listen, you got, we got to get you eating better, sleeping better, moving, doing resistance training. That's one thing. But if you meet them and say, Hey, Right now you're struggling with sway back posture. I hear you. I know where you're at, right? Turns out that I've got this special program right now that literally looks at the biomechanical aspects of that and controls for that because I know that's where your mind is at, right? Mm -hmm. But as a coach down the line, I know that you have to move towards doing these behaviors 
to feel and move better, right? Yeah. That person on the back end of that is not only going to have improved their biomechanics, right? They're going to have improved their energy levels. They're going to have improved their confidence. As a result of all this, what's going to happen in their lives? Well, they're probably going to have better relationships with other people. Then what maybe happens? Then they may might get the courage to start to look at some things that they might have, you know, had trouble looking at or take that next step in their career. They might've been afraid mm -hmm. to take, right? Like there's all these downstream effects and you know that breathing drills alone are not going to get them there. They can be That's a step true. in the process or a part of it, but to try to tell someone that this is the whole story, you know, you got to ask is, is it because you really think that's the whole story or is it because it's easy to sell and because it's getting clicks and likes, right. like if it wasn't getting clicks and likes and making you dollars, would you still be saying it? Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not up here trying to say that I'm a saint and, um, all I care is like about this altruistic thing. Like, no, I want to make money. And like, honestly, at the end of the day, like, I believe that if I provide tremendous value to people and I impact a large number of people's lives in a positive way, that I'll be filthy fucking rich. Right. And I want that. <laughs> like, and, and I, I, I think people need yeah. to be a little less shy about saying that. Um, because honestly, like looking at money as though it's some like negative, bad thing is so stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're one of these people that's like capitalism is bad, well then it is for you. It's great for me because it pays me and it helps a lot of people. Yeah. And I think the more people that I can help, the more money I'm going to make. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not okay with just a lot of people paying me and not actually helping them. And them not getting result. Or I think this is the way to kind of finalize my analogy of like the war thing. It's like, why are you fighting this war at the beginning? Right. Are you fighting this war to just take over the world and be a dick? And like a dictator and just have complete control or is this a war because you're fighting someone that you truly think is bad and doing horrific things and you want to set up after the war a utopia and you're doing all the good things that like so for you it'd be like well i want to get better at my deep squat and get my hip into rotation and not have a hip pinch every time i do this so that way i can get stronger so that way i can play with my kids more and i can age with grace and i can go paddle boarding and I can go do oh, yeah. all these like things in my life and create relationships, you know, like I'm setting up a utopia at that point. Right. Yeah. Or are you just fighting wars to fight wars? Absolutely. And, and I think I see so many people who are approaching their own project of healing through this, this lens of like, well, I just want to keep my ego intact and, and cling and grab onto things. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, you know, have all these strategies that are out of date and aren't working for me still be there. And it's like, okay, you're, you know who you're going to be drawn to somebody who's completely dogmatic about some shit that was never going to work in the first place. Right. Exactly. And if I could be an entry point for that person to, to give them a little bit as uh, our buddy, Alex Ormosi says, mm -hmm. uh, giving them a little bit of the ham so yeah. that eat a little bit of the uh, garlic. The analogy here is just, you know, giving people a little bit of what they want to give them what they need. Um, then that's, that's great. I'm okay with that. And I don't have to be. You hit them with the bonuses, man. You hit them with that bonus nutrition program, that that's bonus right, fitness right, program. Right, right. <laughs> well, and you know, it's so funny because you go to the sales pages and, and you see that these bonuses are always like valued at more than the actual program. Mm -hmm. And in part of some people look at that and they go, Oh, it must be bullshit. And it's really not a lot of times because, yeah. for example, like I'm making this 
um, program right now. It's called total body restoration. It's probably gonna be out mid July. So yeah, 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 grab it. Um, but you know, it's going to be six core modules and it's all restorative exercise, posture, breathing. Like it is all the stuff that I was so high on three years ago. And that I basically like, I mean, six or seven years of my life now, I've been looking at this stuff literally all the time. And that's what I use with one-on-one clients. Um, and as part of the bonuses with it, it's going to be a lot on the mindset side of things. It's going to be a lot about templates and, um, you know, yeah. quick guides and things like that. Yeah. And I'm looking at it and I'm going like, wow, people are going to show up for the posture, the breathing stuff, the stuff that they really think they need. Mm -hmm. I'm interjecting a little bit of mindset stuff in there to help people understand how not to get in their own way as they're going through that part of the process. Right. And then my bonuses are helping even more so with that, as well as nudging them along towards the next thing. And then I got the next product plan, which we're hopefully going to be filming if this one goes well. So, you know, it's a similar concept to what we're, we're talking about here of this ecosystem where somebody's coming in, you're meeting them where they're at, you're building a relationship with them, you're building trust, you're helping them through that part of the process. But the ultimate goal is like, I just want that person to have an optimal human experience at the end of the day. Right. Right. And I do believe that I can make a good living and a lot of money in doing that for many people. Um, even though it's going to be a little harder to sell that in the beginning than it is if I just say, Gota is the only way PRI is the only way, right? Like it's harder for me to sell this like thing where it's like, yeah, you know, you could take one of two or many or infinite approaches, right? It's like, people are like, I don't, I can't deal with that uncertainty. It's a, and that's where it's like, is that a, I, this is about to open up candy worms, but I, I, I it's almost like we're dealing with a in modern society we're being pulled in two different ways which is like a logical like how do we sort through the uncertainty and have be brave enough to do that and understand that we don't have all the answers and then there's the other side which doubles down on well this is the way this is the only way it's simple let me cling to simple ideals and i mean we're seeing that in politics we're seeing that in pain we're seeing that on social media like if anything social media has magnified that to such an extreme right with algorithms and it's it's like man like at some point this is going to come to a head and i don't know what the answer is going to be um i don't know if it's going to be like that movie idiocracy where we just cling to more more and more simple ideals or are we going to you know embrace and have a, a renaissance of sorts like we're, we're i think we're at a crossroads with modern technology and just yeah being more interconnected than we've ever been and that in itself i think is causing some like this existential dread that's like subconscious for like the whole pop human population like yeah. especially in western society well you know i think um we have a level of existential dread that is always going to be there right yeah. all of us because you're <laughs> all gonna die it's <laughs> happening faster and faster every single second mm -hmm. that you're alive every single second every next second is less of your life than the previous second so yeah. perceptually time does speed up every single second right talk to a 94 year old it's like two mondays ago is the snap of a finger yeah. For, for three week old well that's uh 66 of their life right? right so it's you know it's we have a limited time here right and what we end up realizing i think is that 
regardless of what you believe, right? We sort of rent out these bodies for a short time period. We have this consciousness, this awareness that channels through us. And then we have all these idiosyncrasies of how we've been conditioned and what our experiences are and how that maps into our brains and then mm -hmm. manifests out to the world. And it's cool. We're here for that. We're here for that kind of short ride. When you start to realize that that's just part of this overall bubble of existence and human consciousness, and you really open to that, well, a lot of times that little mini me in your head, that little ego starts to shit its pants, yeah. right? And that can be, you know, panic attack, annihilatory panic right there. And I think if you want that to all to never be there and go away, you're living in fantasy land, right? Mm -hmm. And you'll perpetuate a struggle by trying to never feel that ever, right? And you'll get really involved in all the little minutia of the day-to-day. -day. Or you could just accept that, hey, yeah, we're going to have to face this at some point. So I think to get back to your question about the social media thing, there is going to be this moment where I think we're going to see people go into divergent approaches with that, right? People that just cling desperately to preserve their egos, right? And to feel like they're a separate thing, right? And then you're going to have people who just say, okay, it's actually a little bit easier to acquiesce to the fact that, you know, I am one of this whole interconnected thing. And mm -hmm. let, me, let me just be okay with that while I'm here and, and, you know, reap the benefits of not wanting to run from that existential panic and not having a fantasy of resolution. And other people are just going to say, well, I'll just organize my entire life around never feeling that terrible feeling of recognizing that it is completely fucking overwhelming to be a human being. It is for sure. It's, there's no right answer, unfortunately, but I think it, well, I think the right answer is just doing better each day, like leave the place better than you left it. <laughs> yeah. You or know. when you showed up. Um, yeah, I think that's a good way to, there's a, there's a really interesting documentary on um, Amazon prime and it's called the, uh, it's like about the, what are they? The Duggars, I think it's like this, family of 19 kids in the 90s and they're like super hardcore like um fundamentalist like christians yeah and they used all this like show to like push you know christian ideals and that was fantastic uh, but on the back end of things like there was a lot of you know abuse rape all kinds of like really messed up things but it all stemmed from this guy like bill gother and we're seeing and people basically people were clinging to these simple ideals like you know, the man it's god the man of the household the wife the children that's it and if you go out from that you're going to hell you're doing yeah. the bad thing you're doing the wrong thing so it's like here it is here's the lane stay within it that's simple right whereas like modern society at the time when all this was happening like the 60s and 70s it's like well there were um you know, women's rights, there was uh, a desegregation, there's Vietnam, there's the Cold War, like all these huge existential things of like, we have to completely like, rip our brains to comprehend. And you saw a divergence of like people saying like, all right, we're gonna wrestle with these ideas, and we're gonna make changes. And then the other people that doubled down on the simplicity of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, and then now carry that forward a couple of decades, right? And you well, see people you you're see seeing people, that right now with TikTok. Oh, you see people weaponizing the thing that was initially perceived as this waking up, right? And so you see people weaponizing um, women's rights, right? And now mm -hmm. it's like, you know, how far do you push feminist ideals and then warp them to fit a narrative that helps you sell something? Yeah. Right. 
and you know people don't want to talk about this sort of shit because we like to have topics that are you know on limits and off limits right Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like in the example you're talking about any level of women's rights was off topic and not allowed at the time that you're talking about nowadays it's like you know it's it's off limits in a different way right yeah. it was break the norm then was like breaking this what is it what is it called the nuclear family or whatever and just they like described the, it as umbrellas of god basically oh, like, oh really ah, it was a hierarchy basically That's interesting. yeah yeah um, but you yeah, should watch you know, it it's really I, interesting i need to watch it. it it's but it's it's funny to me because it's like if we just go back to human beings and their tendency to want to control things and their tendency to involve these ego functions mm-hmm. that kind of protect and nourish the physical body and then attach those to their identities, right? right? People can co-opt anything that has a pure value to it into something that is just the workings of an ego out in the yeah. world, right? And totally. so to me, the number one thing is intentionality with what you're trying to do. Like, so... um yeah, you know, it's something that I, I try to really check myself on, right? Where it's like, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like the why I'm doing what I'm doing is probably more important than the what I'm doing, right? So like people want to make certain things good or bad or right or wrong, right? Like someone could be talking about it from like a mind-body perspective when we're talking about pain and then be like, it's, you know, we need to get into this state of openness and recognize, you know, who we really are and whatever the context of our pain and the suffering and the way we're perpetuating, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Right. But if like the only reason you're saying that is not because you actually believe it can help people and you're just leveraging it for personal gain, right? Like that's not great. <laughs> that, that, right. that That's actually not a good intention to, to have. Um, so I, I think at the end of the day, it's like you said, it's like, we're just all trying to be better. Right. And whenever it crosses that line into this thing that was meant to be used for better is now being used as like a manifestation of my ego. Well, that's not good anymore. Right. And so it's like I, I look at that this the same thing in terms of exercise. There's no good exercise. It's all in how you use it. Right. Yeah. Like that's, you know, it, 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 we could just get so in the weeds with this. And I'm trying not to, but the, you got to get running, man. I'm sorry. I've kept I do you have over. to get running here, but. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think kind of just to wrap up on this last idea here. Um I think you're going to see both. I think you're going to see a doubling down of people who cling to ideals and go further into their silos and into their rabbit holes, right? And then try to construct a life around that. And honestly, like go for it. That's fine. If that if that works for you, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it and it's wrong, right? Maybe maybe that's going to give you a life you're happy with having. That's great. But I think there's going to be this much larger group that's going to find this kind of middle path where it's taking the best of everything and not doubling down on one thing. And I actually think this represents, just as it does in politics, a much bigger majority of people, mm-hmm. right? Like the dogmatic stuff pulls people towards the polls, but I think the majority of people are still somewhere hovering in in the middle, Sure. Right? It's just the loudest voices you hear on either side of things is what gets magnified in media, right? right? It's the most controversial. But I actually think that people are going to get fucking tired of that shit, right? At least I think in, in our space, maybe not as much in politics, but I think in the health and wellness space, yeah. I think people are going to get tired because they're going to try to keep doing things that actually don't work. And then they're going to, you know, come across a page like yours or something. And they're going to be like, 
ah, Kyle seems to be taking like a more balanced approach and look at all these awesome testimonials. Mm -hmm. These people are actually doing so well. And what he's saying seems so much more reasonable. And it doesn't seem like there's any necessarily one thing he's saying that's like the one thing that's going to help me and the one right answer. But I think I could do okay with this. Let me give it a shot. And they can be open to it. Right. And they turn to your ecosystem and then they kind of find in that process, like, oh, there never was one right answer. There never was any need to cling to one thing. Right. Now it's just a matter of like, okay, I'm exposed to all this stuff. It's not what's the right thing, but what's the right thing for me right now. Exactly. And this process will evolve over time. Mm -hmm. I think more people are going to get there to, to circle back to your initial question. I think so too. I hope so. And if not, like it's, there's still a population out there that is moving in that direction. And it's like the more you can kind of like cast a net and catch those people, I think the better. Yeah. Well, and I think of those people, maybe they're at a, a point in their path where they're a little bit more ready to hear some contradictory things mm -hmm. coming their way and, and be okay with the uncertainty and embrace even just some level of that existential panic that we're talking about. And right. I think those people then go into their relationships and their lives and their communities and then they start to help the other people that aren't quite there yet, right? And they help them even just inch themselves a little bit towards that. And then I think it will have this effect, you know, it's like ripple effect or butterfly effect, however you want to think about it, that ultimately makes the world a better place. And so- Trickle you know, down confidence. It, uh, <laughs> trickle uh, down up. I don't know. Now we're talking economics. Now we're back in politics. Fuck, how did this happen? Uh, <laughs> the longer we're on this call, the more we're trying to talk about fucking politics. Yeah, I know. <laughs> trying to cancel the both of us? Oh, shit. Uh, anyways, but yeah, no, I, I think it trickles out and I think it has a positive impact. And I think, yeah. you know, in looking back, it's like maybe the world isn't in our lifetime ready yet to totally open up that center like we're talking about. And Maybe there is this little pull to the poles that happens while we're still here, but um, you are so connected right now in the world that I believe that I can have a hugely positive impact, make a shitload of money and have a shitload of fun um, while I'm here and encourage people to find this middle way. And uh, you know what? Even if the majority of people are getting pulled towards the poles, there's going to be so many people that are going to have access to what I'm doing and we're just going to have a great time doing it. And I think you and I are in the same boat when it comes to that. And, you know, I, I would say that one of the things over the last like year and a half that I'm just super grateful for, honestly, like finding your Instagram account. Um, I unfollowed a lot of other people that were in that dogmatic point of view on either end of the the coin. And yeah. I really try to keep it to people who are spreading a positive message, who have something balanced to say um, and are not trying to lead people towards a overly simplistic one-sided answer. And just for my mental health and like something that I could recommend strongly to other people is just do an audit of what you're bringing in from a media standpoint yep. and really take a look and, and say, is this pointing me in the direction of it's a one thing answer and capturing my attention and capturing, you know, that attention of my ego and mm -hmm. pulling me into an identity or is this something that's helping me deal with, okay, there's more than one viewpoint. It's not what's right or wrong, but how and when to use it, right? And I think if you bias it towards the latter, you're just going to feel more balanced in the long term, even if in the short term, you have to embrace a little bit more of that uncomfortable feeling that comes from not knowing. Exactly, exactly. I think that's a great way to end it. I All right, bro. It. I appreciate I, uh, you spending a little extra time here, man. Hit us with the socials really quick. 
Um, yeah. I know we've had you on here before, but yeah, hit us with that. And then I'll yeah, let you just Chaplin performance anywhere. Um, dot com slash YouTube slash Instagram, whatever. Um, I don't really post on Twitter anymore, but yeah, if you, if you want to hit up the, uh, Instagram, that'd be great. That's where I'm posting most of my content these days. YouTube, I still post a fair amount. So check me out there, you know, hit me in the DMS. We're starting a uh, new, um, starting like a new, it's going to be like kind of like a membership thing where it's mainly going to be based around spirituality and, uh, mindset shifts and things like that. So if you've been doing the biomechanics stuff for a long, long time and you want something that's a more kind of low cost group type thing, it's going to be very, um, therapeutic if you will, but more in a spirituality mindset way, then definitely DM me about that. I'm trying to get that off the ground. So it's going to be, it's going to be pretty affordable and it's going to be more of like my fun pet project. So if you're looking for that, just DM me. Otherwise be on the lookout for this project that I'm hopefully going to be filming successfully in just a few minutes. Oh yeah, man. Cool. Well, good luck with that. And thank you uh, for coming on the show again. Give us your time and we'll see you all in the next episode.